Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This is episode 64. It will be another installment of the What Has Happened to Men series. Sitting across the table from me is a gentleman who was not part of the What Do Men Think series, but he is going to use the name Hollywood. So Hollywood, welcome to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Hollywood, how how old are you? Uh, 43. 43. And what's your marital status? Uh, divorced. Divorced. Okay. Do you have any kids? I have one. You have one? 17-year-old boy. And then kind of a vague description of what you do for a living. Uh, manage people. And manage, ma- upper management. Okay. You manage people. All right. So, Hollywood, as you think back through your childhood, is there anything, any memory from childhood that it could be cool, funny, adventurous, it doesn't matter, anything stand out to you from your childhood, some little moment or story? Yeah. my. Uh, so, I grew up in Orlando. And my mom worked in security at SeaWorld. And then she worked in HR for like 20 years after that. But uh, she would take me out there on the weekends. And this is uh, before Shamu Stadium was built. And uh, I used to walk outside and adventure behind SeaWorld stages, if you will. And uh, they were building Shamu Stadium right right in front of the security uh, portable that she worked at. And so I would go on a little adventures and see what the guys were doing, building and giant, you know, uh, Shamu Stadium uh, pool back there and i remember one weekend i went there and uh something smelled god awful like a dead fish and i was like man what is that it's horrible rancid so i start you know walking where i usually went and then i went where i wasn't supposed to go this time and i come back around on the back side of where they're building the stadium and sheer terror is the only thing i can i can use to describe what i saw next apparently uh SeaWorld's oceanographers or whatever went out and caught this great white shark and it was encased in ice and it was in the backside of Shamu Stadium and it was like a giant 40 or 50. I mean, I could be exaggerating. I was a little kid. So to me, that's what it looked like. It was this giant it's block of ice. I mean, honestly, yeah. And I, and I didn't see, I think I saw Jaws briefly on TV and little snippets here and there, but I wasn't allowed to watch yeah. that. You know, which is why when I went to the YMCA, I was definitely afraid of the deep end because obviously it was probably Jaws a megalodon. It was something. It probably was. It was. It was huge, and I remember just sitting there. I don't, I don't know how long I stood there, and just the, the the rancid smell was just hitting me in the face like like a truck door, and then like the water was just dripping from this ice like like it was like none other because it was Florida, and I was just sitting there going, man, what in the world? In the in the mouth on this thing ridiculous you know it was jaws it was real life jaws and i remember just slowly like terrified walking backwards and then kind of walking around and seeing how long this thing was that was just a, a cool experience i had as a kid but i you know i'd hang out at uh, uh sea world on the weekends you know behind the scenes and you know obviously i I worked there as one of my first jobs, but uh, when I was 14 or 15, I worked in Mango Joe's. It's a sweet place to run around as a kid. Well, especially in the back part of the park where you don't, where guests can't go, you know. And uh, so it was pretty interesting to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. But, yeah, the, the shark thing is just, to this day, I'll just never forget what I... So li- that's how they transported I, it. I, You know, I don't know. Like I said, like every weekend we would show up and I would, you know... Just run around the construction site, you know, looking for stuff and picking up sticks and throwing rocks or whatever. And then 
one weekend there's this giant block of smelly ice with a giant shark in it. So it was, I don't even know what happened to it, to be honest with you. So it was the shark sickle that stunk. Oh, it was it was rancid. Oh yeah, it was something god awful. But uh, yeah, I, as a kid, that was something that sticks out. I'm like, man. And then there was I never saw it again after that. So it was just the weirdest thing ever. You know, the mystery when, of the megalodon. It was huge. It was definitely a real life Jaws. So, yeah. Dang, man. So that was my adventures as a kid growing up. I got to hang out in the back of SeaWorld and security and, you know, HR and all that. The old security guys in the golf carts would drive me around sometimes, you know. And the older guys, the old war war veterans, you know, smoking big old stogies and like, oh, I'm going to show you this. You know, look at that. Let's go over here. But, yeah, the shark thing is definitely something that sticks out in my mind. So. All right. <clears throat> so when it comes to a hamburger. Hamburger, yeah. What is an appropriate sauce or sauces to put on a hamburger? I'm a big guy, so I kind of like everything, you know. But uh, definitely when you think hamburger, ketchup, mustard, relish maybe sometimes. But definitely ketchup or mustard. Sweet or dill relish? Ooh. Uh, or does it matter? I don't think it matters. Just, one, way, one way or another, that hamburger's going down, you know? <laughs> so you're uh, a ketchup and mustard guy? Yeah, on mm-hmm. a hamburger, sure. Maybe some maybe some mayonnaise sometimes. Uh, definitely a piece of cheese on there. I know that's not a sauce, but... Uh, well, if you melt it enough, it is. Yeah, a little cheesy sauce, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, ketchup and mustard on that. Okay. And then what about a bratwurst or a hot dog? What about a bratwurst and a hot dog? They could be different. You know, I haven't had too many bratwursts in my time. Oh, we got to fix that. Yeah. I, I think I maybe had one or two when I was 18. We would go clubbing downtown, and uh, I think there was a hot dog cart that would just sold bratwurst. I think I ate one or two, but I don't remember what it tasted like. It was late at night, you know, coming out of the club. So, okay. Um, but as far as a hot dog goes, uh, just mustard, really. Just mustard. Yeah. Or plain, you know, plain dog, but definitely just mustard. Hollywood, what's something that – over the course of your life that you haven't done yet that either you dreamed of doing or you'd like to do down the road at some point in your life? This is this is more sentimental towards me. It's not anything like <clears throat> I'm going to go climb Mount Everest. But, it, um, you know, to me, it's really important uh, to have a family, you know, and I just haven't seemed to make that stick yet, you know, and that's something that as, as a child, because I grew up without a father, my grandparents kind of raised me. My mom was always working, obviously. But to have that that family unity and, you know, the stuff I used to watch on TV growing up, Wonder Years, and everyone's eating at the table as a family. You know, we didn't have that. You know, and that was something I always longed for. You know, now I, I have a son of my own, but didn't have that component of having a family. I had it one time, you know, but it didn't last long. You know, that that's something that I would like to check off my bucket list of, Hey, I was a good man, and I was able to have a family and provide for him. And you know, kind of what my grandfather taught me. He was a ex marine from back in the Greatest Generation. You know, he was born in the '30s. You know, he was my role model growing up, but he wasn't very talkative. It was kind of grunts here and there, or handshakes, or you know, hey, let me show you how to do this kind of thing. And but yeah, definitely to have a family is is something that's huge on my heart. That as as a man that I want I want to accomplish. Okay. I'd be good at it, you know. Nothing wrong with that. So, all right. Well, tell me about a stormy period in your life. Who? I got a few. I'm going through one right now. You want me to talk about the one I'm going through right now, or one I went through? It's <laughs> dealer's choice. 
Well, I mean, you know, I've, I put some thought into some things I'm going through now. And wait, before you get started, let me back up just a little sure. bit. So you were married before, correct? How long were you married? And this is a guy's thing. So yeah. ball, just, I mean, we were together five years total. I think married maybe three years of it. Yeah, we were together in Orlando, and then we moved here to Tennessee. And what, like, what's a rough span of your age during that marriage or that time of that uh, relationship? Mid twenties, late twenties. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's a little bit of context. Yeah. So now we're fast forwarding, jumping back forward in time a little bit. Yeah. So the storm I'm going through now. I mean, obviously, I was divorced, and that was like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago. I guess. I don't think I ever dealt with that. I moved up here uh, with an organization from Orlando uh, that brought us to Tennessee, and that was in 2002. Through all that, I always I always joke about it, even though it really hurts on the inside. I always like, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, you know, and uh, sold the T-shirt back to somebody else, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't really think I dealt with my past uh, issues with that. And what makes you think that, uh, just, or know that? Well, just, you know, I've talked to, you know, I went into some counseling here and there and you know, just kind of told my story and right after the divorce. And I mean, it wasn't pretty. I'm sure other people know, too, that went through the similar thing. I mean, it was it was an ugly divorce. I mean, I was put in jail, falsely accused. You know, it was all expunged or whatnot. And it wasn't true. But I had to go through that whole hell is what I'm going to call it, because that's what it was for me. You know, when you walk outside, you're your your house and you're trying to drive to work and you don't know the police are going to come arrest you just because because that's the experience i had you know i mean there was a period of two or three months that i was scared shitless yeah to even go outside my house and go somewhere because i would get arrested for something i didn't see do. a cop it gives you yeah, the chills you know and i was just like man but you know got through that process didn't have anybody i had my mom here at the time didn't have any family didn't have any friends well our friends became her friends and then, so I didn't have anybody. I did what I thought was the best thing to do. And I self-isolated myself and work. I've become a workaholic. And there was a period of time, two or three years, where I worked two jobs. I had uh, left my job during the divorce and got a stocking job at a grocery store overnight. So I didn't have to talk to anybody. And I did that for six months. I was in a frozen, free, a frozen food freezer, <laughs> right? Just throwing stock, depressed, angry. Going through the emotions and, and the poor pallet jack and the pallets got got the just you know the gist of it and uh, but that's how I got through that for six months I didn't talk to a single person other than I had like my bosses whoever was at work say hey go do this truck or this is coming in or move that and that's how I dealt with it and then you know jobs came up and then next thing I know I got a district manager job and then I started getting back into the the light of things you know the world and. Still never never dealt with it. Just kind of like became, pushed it down, became numb, and just said, I'm going to keep trucking, you know. Just keep moving forward. And for 15 years, I didn't date anybody. You know, my, my mindset was, you know, I'm just going to provide for my son. You know, when I see him, pay the child support. Because if I didn't pay child support, they are going to put me in jail. I mean, she was uh, she was fun about that. You know, for, for the first two years, you know, there, we tried... I tried to like talk to her, but it got to the point where it was just talk to my attorney, talk to my attorney, and there was no being civil with her. So I just said, after about two years, I just gave up and said, you can do, you can have whatever, whatever you want. 
not going to fight you on it. And that's how it's been for 15 years. Plus I just never dealt with it. That's the, that's, that's, that's the big issue that I'm, that I'm into this current storm I'm in now is I just push it down, became numb to it, just move forward and then ah, it just fixed itself. And through all that time, like I said, I was just, my focus was I'm just becoming a workaholic. I'm just going to provide for my son. So he got his child support. And then when I do see him, we'll do something fun on the weekends. You know, and try to build that relationship with him. And man, I tell you what, he's going to be 18 next, you know, in a few months. And it, it's gone by like that. And I'm just like, man. So and then there's the part of that where I don't feel like I've built a good relationship with my son because we haven't spent a lot of time together. It's been snapshots here or there. And the funny thing is when I was doing my jobs, I was trying to tailor my job to be something fun when he was growing up. Like, it doesn't exist anymore today, but like uh, movie rental places, right? I was a district manager for one of those guys for a while. So that was something fun where it was like movies and video games and he get to come hang out with dad at work. We did promotions and party stores and anything that was something fun for a kid. Video game stores, you know, I've, I've managed a different array of things, you know, just to kind of be fun for him and I, that's why I pick those specific jobs not necessarily for me to be happy but you know something that he can relate to and be excited to come see dad you know so that's in the last 15 years that's kind of where I went navigated that you know in that direction but there again never really dealt with the issue of you know the heartbreak the depression feeling alone the isolation 15 years I didn't date anybody I took care of him and then coming to now, I know that's a long story short, but uh, no, not really. Long story long. There's always a backstory to stuff, and you need it for context. And still doing the same thing, and I just got this, you know, really good. Well, I got hurt, and then uh, I was out of work for two years. You got hurt physically? Yeah, I was. Okay. I was working at a uh, an automated car wash that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. I I got hurt because I was down in the nasty pit cleaning stuff and cut my leg and I was hospitalized and we didn't have insurance. They kept me in there for a week for because uh, my my leg was eating away. It was basically a fleshing disease on my leg, and the CDC doctor wouldn't let let me leave the the hospital. So I was out of work for a couple of years and I was you know diagnosed with what they call lymphedema, where my leg swelled to about three or four or five times its size. This is going to sound really disgusting, and I apologize in advance, but I would have to take like a plastic fork and pop my leg so the, the water would leak out, so to relieve the pressure. It was like a balloon, oh. just to relieve the pressure, because it was that bad. Uh, so I did that, I was out of work for a little while because of that, and uh, you know, I went back and I got a job at Goodwill, because you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm injured here, maybe, you know. It's a second, you know, place for people, a second chance for you to come back and work for. So I did that, went that route. I uh, got a different job, and then finally got back on my feet, and I was making really good money. Got a got a position as a general manager somewhere, you know, leading people again. And it was basically took over a business that was kind of struggling, and and made it very successful, you know. In the in the process of doing that, uh, one of the girls that worked for me put me on a dating site, right. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I've been doing this for years. Just worry about my kiddo and just work, you know, because that's what I did. One thing led to another, and this girl messaged me. We went on a few dates. She found out about my leg. I mean, she got she took me to the hospital, or a medical place, got my leg fixed. Like she came over to my house for like two weeks straight and wrapped my legs. 
my hand. You know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, what, what's this about? That happened, and I got sick, and she made like 10 gallons of chicken noodle soup one time and brought it over, and I'm like, man, what is going on here? Like, you know, and I'm like, I, I like, you know, I was done dating. You know, I'm not doing that no more. I was, that was it. Started dating, and then we started going on a couple dates, and I'm like, I don't know. Well, fast forward, we're together almost three years. We've had family vacations, uh, holidays with each other. You know, we've had our ups and downs, you know, a couple breakups within all that, and just trying to look really if it's something we wanted to do. Thinking, man, this girl did all this for me. And then, you know, we fell in love with each other, which I thought. We got engaged. We flew out to a beach location, you know, where she always wanted to go. And I walked her down to the water and I got on one knee and I asked her to marry me. And she said, yes. So that was exciting. And we came back and we were putting our life together. You know, I was like, Hey, we're going to look at getting a house and you know, our families are going to live together. And I changed jobs. I took a significant pay cut to do this job, which, uh, <laughs> so I put all my eggs in one basket, really just recently. You know, we had a we had a uh, big road bump, and I'm still struggling with it now. That she decided that she didn't want to do that anymore, kind of pulled pulled the mandate off, you know. And she seems to be like she's just moving in a different direction in her life, and I'm just kind of sitting here holding the pieces, going, "What do I do next?" Because I've you know for the last at least better part of the year, if not longer, you know, I've been strategically. Doing that thing I told you I always wanted to do is have a family. You know, yeah. she had she had two daughters and I have my son and you know, I'm like, man, here it is, second chance. You know, I waited all this time, fifteen plus years to for this to happen. And I'm like, man, I'm gonna do it right this time, you know. I sent this girl flowers two years in a row. Two years straight, every month. That's like a pre like a little anniversary thing, because she told me when her uh, her ex husband uh, never gave her flowers ever. And I was like, Well, I'll fix that try to do all the right things and then even try to evaluate the things I didn't do right in my first marriage and try to make sure I didn't repeat those mistakes, if you will, or be better than I was last time. You know, so I was thinking, finally, you know, I'm seeing the light end of the tunnel. Here it is. I'm going to have the opportunity to have that family. And, you know, we were doing it. Like we went on family vacations, like for two, two and a half years now, we'd go to the beach and then we went to, uh, Gatlinburg a few times because you know we're here in Tennessee, but uh, the band-aid's been ripped off. So I'm I'm just kind of sitting here trying to understand what are my next steps. You know I'm going through this storm now, and I've had okay days where I go to work and I kind of just truck through it, and I'm just there, there. I go back to that old me, and I'm just gonna just push it down and become numb to it, and that's how I'll navigate it. And then I know that's not working this time. I'm finding out, and that's that's where I struggle because, you know, I really do love this girl more than I love my ex-wife. I know that sounds bad, but it's just, it's, I, I know that in my heart, you know. And uh, after all these years, I'm thinking, man, God finally gave me an opportunity to do it right. And by chance, put this woman in my life where she was going through her own storm at the time. And uh, here I was, I guess, again, not dealing with what I should have dealt with all those years ago. And probably bring a lot of those insecurities or whatever you want to call it, an unresolved trauma, if you will, into this relationship. Maybe that's what's causing the some of the storm. I'm not sure. You know, I, you know, I try to over communicate. I think, but right now I'm just I'm in a, I'm in the storm, which you know. Yes, um, I do. And I'm just trying to navigate it best I can. 
And so where are things at right now with you and well, this young lady? If I had to be, a, be a, you know, outside looking in, it's probably done, which kills me to say that. But, um, you know, I hope not because, you know, we've, we've had some issues in the past where we had to take a little quick, you know, time out and reassess, re, re, uh, reboot, if you will. And then, you know, we got back on track. But this time, I, I don't know if it's, it's, it's different this time. And I say all that stuff that I didn't deal with because before we had our big blow up, you know, she basically told me she wanted to not be with me anymore. You know, I was already kind of carrying, you know, we talked about this in the past, carrying things that, you know, no one told me I had to carry, but I've been carrying it anyway. You know, carrying the shame of some things in my my past with my, my family, you know, unresolved trauma and issues. And I did something really stupid, which is I want to bring this up because I want to, if people who are going to listen to this, maybe can resonate that they don't make the same mistake. So, you know, I knew that that big blow up happened. And then she's like, I don't want to talk to you for three or four days. And I was like, okay. And that's how she processes this thing. That's not how I do it. I want to fix it right then and there and be done. <laughs> there we're not it's com- the guy way. They were yeah. not compatible. Okay. And then she wants to, hey, I'm going to go off in three, four days. Don't talk to me. Let me process. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, time out. You know, I got to fix it now. We can't do this. She does that again, you know, ripping the bandaid, you know, here we are fixing to be married into this year, supposedly left me stewing my own thoughts and insecurities, traumas, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, things that I've been carrying. So, you know, I got to a low moment, you know, and I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. If, you know, she pulls the plug on this. I just took a job. I'm out here in the place that I want to be right now. If there's, if I don't have a family out here, I'm all alone. I have no friends out here. <laughs> you know, what, what am I going to do? So I, for two or three days, I'm just like, that's my broken record in my head and overthinking everything. And, you know, I know that she's like, Saturday we'll talk. And then she's not being nice about it. You know, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. So I do the smart thing and I'm like, I leave work early. And I go to the liquor store and I buy a bottle of tequila. And by the time that she calls me, I'm already done with that bottle of tequila. So I'm not, I'm drunker than a skunk and I'm cussing at God and I'm yelling at everyone. Someone who's not even in my place. And I'm just like, why is this happening to me? I mean, I don't remember everything I said, but I remember the state (laughs) state I was in. You remember enough. So she calls me and she doesn't know I've been drinking. And she, she starts wailing, just goes right into Hey, I don't want to be with you anymore. And uh, that was it. You know, and I was like, nope. You know, and then the securities, you know, insecurities come out. And you know, I'm thinking it's got to be some other guy. Because, I mean, we were just fixing to get married. Why would you just all of a sudden pull the plug? So she got all upset about that, saying, you know, that's not who she is. It's not what it's about. Well, again, she doesn't know I'm three sheets to the wind. It got heated. And, you know, she said some things. And, I'll tell you, I was in a low place. You know, I was already super depressed and, and confused and sad. And, you know, here's the woman of my life, my love of my life that I was fixing to marry, tells me, I don't love you anymore. I was over the deep. That was it, you yeah. know. And, you know, obviously I, I didn't do it because I'm sitting right here across the table from you. But, you know, when that happened, I the only thing I can describe was 
no hope. So I grabbed the kitchen knife, put it to my throat, and I was gonna, that was it. I was gonna be done. She flipped out on the phone, you know, hung up on me, and then called me back. And she's like, What are you, what are you doing? You're crazy. And I'm like, I was like, You don't even know. I said, you, you, you basically just broke a broken man more than I thought I could ever be broken just by doing what you just did. I don't think you understand where I was mentally. And then you just, that little push, that was all it took. I didn't do it. Obviously I I came to my senses and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) But for that, for that split second, I was there and I know that. And that scares the shit out of me because Right now, I'm okay. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I don't have those low moments and I think about it, it'd just be easier to, and I'd be gone and the pain will go away. But I know that's the, that's the easy way out. That's not what I'm about. And that doesn't, that's not who I am. That's not my character. But then that bothers me, you know, even to this day. I think about, man, like, what were you like? You got pushed so to that, to that brink of almost not being here anymore. I don't ever want that to happen again. So that bothers me a lot that I got to that point and uh, <laughs> try not to get emotional. Okay. I'll give you a break for a second. So let me throw this out there. And this is, this is a ambush question and you don't even have to answer it, but it's something to think about. And I'm going to do an episode on this. So I listened to you say that God gave you a chance to do it again and do it right. And I have, life has taught me that we often ask the wrong question. Do you know for certain God's the one that put the opportunity in front of you? He's no. not the only one that puts opportunity in front of us. You are right. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, I thought, you know, cause I'm thinking all these years I waited, you know, I, I, I sacrificed what I wanted to take care of my son and do the right thing by him and didn't fulfill any of my needs. It wasn't about me. I thought, I thought maybe, you know, he put her there. Because the crazy thing is, is, is uh, her ex-husband's name and mine are the same, which, which she would, you know, in that dating app, she would never had swiped my name because of that. And, uh, and I tell this story to a friend of ours that we know mutually, because uh, we had dinner with them at their house one time. <laughs> and uh, that story came up. And I was like, for some reason, my little message popped up in her bubble, which wasn't supposed to happen unless she picked me, Right. So it was like, it was fate, right? That's what we called it. I was like, well, that that's weird because I didn't pick you. I would have if I saw you, but I didn't even see you. But uh, she's like, well, I would never have even talked to you because of your first name. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, so to that point, I was thinking, well, maybe that's the divine intervention. I mean, maybe, I don't know, because everything was great. Like I said, this woman comes in my life. She fixed my legs. She takes care of me. She's kind. She has a good heart. I mean, obviously she has issues, traumas, just like the rest of us. But, you know, we weren't toxic. It wasn't a toxic relationship at all. We were compatible and like-minded. So all the elements of what a good relationship should have been, right? So, Is there any chance that love goggles help skew that perception? Uh, the, uh, what do they call them, rose-colored glasses? Um, and you're you're right in the middle of it, so that's it's hard to answer that question. But I've talked to enough men on the backside of stuff. You know, when you when you got hindsight and you can look back at something, love goggles do skew things. And it, it's only be, I always just I because I need to do an episode on this. I'm not picking on you. Yeah, I'm just saying this in general for somebody who's listening. You know, we do attribute a lot of things that oh well, God put this in my path. Well, are you certain? 
that God put this in your path. Because I get a ton of opportunities for stuff, but I don't feel the urge to go after them. I'm like, no, that one doesn't have, that one doesn't smell right. It smells a little fishy. Yeah. And, and I think it's only because I've made enough wrong choices in my life that I've learned to discern those two. And if I don't know, I'm on my knees asking God to show me what it is. Cause I'm just trying to think, I'm just thinking like logically, cause I'm not in, I'm not emotionally attached to this situation. Yeah. Like logically, if God, I mean, I take myself, for example, if God intends for me to be with a woman again in my life, which right now been separated for nine years, I have zero desire, zero desire to date, not even for a second. I, I actually enjoy being single, but I do know that if God is God, God doesn't need a dating app to move the world to bring that woman to me. He doesn't need anything to bring that woman to me. All he needs me to be able to do is discern it. That's it. Yeah. Sort of like, uh, I mean, I can use my jobs. I've... I've only gotten one. I've probably had 40 jobs in my life, and I've only gotten one from an application. Every other job I've ever had came to me. It was a door that opened to me, and I knew this. I mean, I didn't step through all of them, but I knew. I mean, I've not stepped through quite a few in the last couple of years, and I've stayed where I'm at, and I deal with the toxic stress and the premature aging and everything that comes with my position. But I knew that those opportunities were not from God. Yeah. I learned that. But I figured that if if God is who he says he is, and I'm supposed to be with a certain woman, what would stop him from being able to make that happen? And I'm just saying that to guys in general. Not you sitting here, because I know I've been in your spot before, and it hurts and it sucks. But just as a word of caution to a lot of times what we attribute to God opening a door for it, you better make sure he is the one who opened it because we want, we, we have this fanciful notion of how things can suddenly be better or what we perceive as better. So I don't know. I don't have, I don't have an answer for yours. You're the only one that's going to know that answer. Yeah. But uh, let me ask you, just as, to derail you so you don't get emotional. So what kind of, you had mentioned that, that just really vaguely, because I don't want to speak uh, negatively at all of this young lady. I don't know her. She's not sitting here. But just in general, very vague terms, like what sort of trauma or what sort of uh, things from her past was she trying to deal with? It's just things that she's communicated to me. I mean, it's nothing that I that I know firsthand. Um, but you know, when you're that is a very wise statement. Yeah, that's a very very wise statement. You don't know it firsthand. It's only been told to you. Correct. Uh, well, she was married for seventeen years. High school sweethearts, I guess. Uh, he was not a good man. He was verbally and physically abusive with with her and the and the kids and the animals. Apparently, just I guess didn't work. He stayed at home all day, you know. And she was the breadwinner, 
and had to survive. Uh, you know, so that's why I think you know her trauma is there. She was always in survival mode. Is she a pretty good breadwinner now? Oh yeah. Is she okay? Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know oh, her. Yeah. She so makes I'm just... way way more money than I do right now. <laughs> she she owns her own business. Okay. You know, this is an odd thing. With this is nothing new, but a lot of women, especially young women, they like the bad boys. Then they marry the bad boys, and then they act like they're shocked that he's a bad boy. Yeah. And that he's abusive, and somehow they're a victim of that. But they're the ones that chase the bad boys. They'll walk past a thousand good men mm-hmm. to get the one that just smells like trouble. And they find that attractive until they're tied to it. So anyway, so that's so she's dealing with things from her previous marriage or her choices. Yeah. Things like that. And then sort of vaguely, what about your past? Anything you wanna offer if you don't, that's totally fine. Like as far as just me in general? Like just like, baggage. Like what's the, oh, we all drag oh, a crap load of oh, bags yeah. with us through through life. Um, I mean I've done it in spades. Well, you know, I came come up from a broken home, so I, you know, other than my grandparents being the only you know, stable thing in my life, you know, and again, they're from a different generation than than I grew up, where I I, I was exposed to. Uh, I was I was sheltered as a, as a child. I'll say that. And to the real world, when the veil dropped, I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, and that happened through my first divorce, believe it or not, when I actually saw what the real world was all about. It may have contributed to or been the catalyst to the first part of. The demise, if you will, of my first marriage was, uh, you know, when I first moved up here, uh, I didn't have a relationship with my biological father. You know, he was a bad dude in and out of prison. You know, my mom, I was born in Michigan, but uh, my mom, uh, for two years, I guess, stuck it out and then grabbed me and brought me back to my grandparents. So, divorced him because he was, again, abusive. You know, so maybe that was that trauma bonding that I could relate with my my current situation. Um, without saying her name, that's hard. Um, but uh, he wasn't involved in my life because I think my grandparents sheltered me from that on purpose. You know, I think maybe he tried to reach out, send birthday cards, and it was all destroyed or whatever. I don't know. We didn't talk about him. As far as, as, far as I know, I go to school and I didn't have a dad. Nothing really seemed out of, out of ordinary until it came to sports time when I got older and everyone's dad's around. I'm like, oh, I don't have one, you know, or whatever. Son and dad, you know, whatever, at the local church, softball game, basketball game, I didn't do that. So didn't have that opportunity. But anyway, I was 18 and I was running a, uh, I was managing a uh, local foot store or a shoe store. Uh, Are they sold feet? Where they sold feet, yeah. No, there's a shoe store <laughs> uh, in a mall, right? The was one... it famous footwear? Nope. That's what was... I always think of. Nope. I think of that was that was oh, down the road or a while back with it a was, mall shoe store. It was the place that had the, where the guys dress as referees. It's, it's still in business Is today. It? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was managing. I was an assistant manager, actually, acting manager, if you will. In retail, I was 18, running this thing in the mall, and it was hopping. I had like 10, 15 people in the store, and I was just trying to service everybody, get people's shoe sizes. You know, that's back in the, it was hopping in a you know, shoe store back then, and especially in a, in a popular mall. And then this guy pops up, and it's like looking, it's like me looking in the mirror. And it was my bi- biological father because apparently he had called my grandparents' house 
and had some girl at some local bar ask if I was there. And they're like, oh, no, he's at work, you know, at the shoe store. So he found out where I was. I was 18 years old. He pops up and he goes, do you know who I am? And I looked at him. I said, yeah. He's like, we need to talk. And I was like, oh, boy. So I went and took a one of my, my team leads. I said, hey, I'm going to go in the food court for a second. Can you watch the store? Yeah. So we had we shared a Coke or a Pepsi. I forget what it was at the Chick-fil-A upstairs. And uh, just chit-chatted. And, you know, it only took me five minutes to realize I want nothing to do with this guy. He was... Uh, not, nothing didn't offer me anything that, it, you know, I was missing out on is basically my takeaway from the conversation. And that was the only time I met him. Shortly after that, I won't say it was the next day, but that's kind of how I put it in my, in my brain. You know, he goes off to do God knows what. And then next thing you know, uh, my last name is in the paper. And what he had done is he had murdered a woman, uh, in town and, uh, he was caught and, I was like, oh, man, you know, so everybody in, in town is like, oh, asking, you know, Who's, is that related to you? Is that is that somebody related to you? And I was like, because I was the only one with my last name in town. I mean, there's not many of us, right? I think I was the only one. And uh, I was like, oh. And then, you know, I, that kind of that kind of died down. But then, you know, after that happened, and then I guess he was up for execution. And that was about the time I was a little older. And we were moving. Uh, I was working for a grocery chain and we were moving up I had an opportunity to to move Tennessee here we are so it got back in the papers again and it was all over and it was starting to be local news people started asking questions and these are people that I grew up with went to church with played men's basketball church league with for years you know and just in a small little community in in Orlando and I was just like oh man it's time for me to you know, I got I don't, I don't want to deal with this right now. It's time for me to kind of have an opportunity to to uh, get out of town. That's what I did. I guess that that happened, and then when we moved up here, and then I guess my mom had called my my wife at the time, my first wife, and was like, "Hey, they just they just killed him today." You know, she's like, "Don't tell, don't tell them." Of course, she did. <laughs> you know, you know, I just. When she told it to me, I, I played it off like, oh, I don't care. It had nothing to do with me, you know. But, you know, I lit a cigarette, a cigar because I was out in the, on, the, on the patio anyway, on the balcony. And I was like, I'll be in and I'll be in a little bit later. And I sat there and I smoked that whole cigar thinking, man, you know, I'm, now I've got a son of my own who's got that name. And I'm like, I don't want to touch him ever because, you know, here I am carrying that burden because... You know, the first thing when I when I found out, I'm thinking I feel so god awful for the family that it happened to. It was someone's mom or someone's daughter or someone's sister. Who knows? And that you know, the person that cre- half created me did this to somebody. You know, the old saying, the you know, sins of the father kind of thing. You know, that, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I'm a, I got to carry that around. You know, that, that's my name. So if anybody, and especially in today's age, all you got to do is go on the computer and Google something, and you've got everything, right? So I'm like, man, you know, and here I am trying to be a, a good man, a good husband, and a, a reputable person in a well-established uh, establishment, and, you know, a, a management. And, you know, now I've got to deal with that. And I'm thinking, well, we're far enough away. Maybe it won't be in the news up here like it was in the local town. But so I've been carrying that on with me. So that's my baggage is, you know, I've been 
thinking, you know, I got to do all these good deeds in this world to kind of make up for what he did, you know, and that's just, and, and, you know, we talked about this, but no one really told me I had to do that. But in my mind, I just, in my heart, I felt like I've got to offset the balance somehow. I've got to do more good in this world than what that man did bad, you know? And again, no one told me to do that. I just felt, I felt a need to do that in my, in my walk in life and to make sure that it never touched my son. Yeah. You know? So I carry that baggage and I have, and I still do it to this day somewhat. You know, that, that's the big thing that, 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 that I carry since I was, you know, like a younger, young adult. And, you know, I'm sure that played into just having a negative mindset, maybe in my relationships or even my decisions. But uh, that's definitely something that, for lack of a better word, plagued me, is just having that that shadow, that negative shadow, that that evil, if you will. I feel like it's following me around, you know, trying to break free free from that or do more good than than the evil had done, you know, to kind of offset the balance, if you will. I don't know. It's just kind of in my mind. No one ever told me anything about that, but it's just kind of like how I felt about the situation. So I'm sure that played a big part in my relationships. But yeah, I don't know if we got off track there. but No, you didn't get <laughs> off track at all. No, uh, that was exactly, that's what I'm looking for. So right now, when you walked in, and for context, I had not known Hollywood. I met him a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. when he stepped into my life. So you walked through the door here just a short bit ago. Right. And you said that you're having a bit of a rough day. Oh, yeah. Today, today's been a struggle. And I asked you why. And so why is it a rough day? You know, this kind of goes back to the storm I'm going through right now. You know, I had lunch with the, the great friend today, and she, and she was encouraging, and she kind of knows the situation. And, uh, you know, I had talked to a counselor this morning about some stuff I'm going through. I definitely have some outlets to deal with, but... I knew I was doing this today, so I was excited, to, nervous, but excited at the same time because I've never done anything like this before. Yeah. <laughs> um, Have your nerves settled a little bit? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I just think I'm rambling right now or maybe fidgeting too much, really. You no, know, you're not fidgeting uh, much at all. You're but, actually uh, pretty calm. You know, I don't. I don't want to just be. I, I want to have some substance here for for you and for people to listen. I don't want to just be rambling and for talking points or anything, but. Uh, just trying to collect my thoughts and process them properly. <laughs> yeah. Know? Cause I am a bit emotional. Like I said, I am going through the storm now. It's not something I went through, you know, and then I, I know later tonight we're going to have a conversation or at least try to. And I have, I'm, I'm scared about that. Cause I don't know what that's going to, you didn't initiate this or did you? Well, the, the, the crazy part of this thing is, you know, and I'm sure every guy can relate in a relationship. It's like, hey, don't talk to me or, hey, let's talk or don't talk to me. You know, it's, it's, you know, and again, back to the she wants space and time and I want to fix it right then and there. And that's where we're not compatible, I guess, or relate, relatable with each other. You know, the sad thing is, is, you know, I have to, have to deal with the realization that tonight, you know, the, the, the reality, cause I guess I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on to a string of maybe there's hope, you know, I want that to be the case. I wanted to be able to, to squash this and work together and get through this storm and come out better together on the other end, but that may not be the case. It may just be me. You know, I struggle with that because <laughs> that wasn't the game plan that I had, the life plans that we had made together just a short time ago. So just to play the opposite side here, so let's just say 
Just for an alternative, and this is for the guy sitting on his bed somewhere listening to this in the same boat. Yeah. So let's just say that God didn't drop that opportunity in front of you. Let's say Satan brought that opportunity in front of you to blindside you from something or a direction God was trying to take you. And it was effective. I'm I'm not saying this is the case, but just say it's effective at derailing the direction he was moving you to the next thing. And now what if it's this is God stepping in to rescue you from yourself, from doing something that will potentially permanently derail you from a course that's far better for you in the long run? Yeah. That that like it it is actually maybe his loving hand saying, "Look, dude, you got the love goggles on, so this is why I'm here." Like just like a parent, you would do that with your son. Yeah. Like son, no, you know, th- you know, she's got a pistol to your forehead right now. I-, I think you should probably just call it off. Yeah. Or she's gonna lead you down a very destructive road in your life. Like you should. T- I mean, it's no. I mean, to me, it just seems like something a father would do in a loving way and say, you, your course is better than this, than yeah. where this is going to go. So just if you're sitting there on your bed and listening to this, just entertain that that may be a possibility and that that the uh, perspective and perception are exceedingly powerful. And perception often becomes a tool of deception. Yeah. And, and Satan is exceedingly good at using it. I know from experience he is exceedingly good, especially when you're slow like me. It's he's exceptionally good. It doesn't take much. He does it with both hands behind his back or whatever he's got. So maybe what corrects your course is you moving forward solo. Yeah. Just a thought. And maybe it's more about you realizing that there's something bigger than you having another family and focusing on your son. Because he's entering mandate. I saw your son with you because you were over here yesterday. Yeah. And your son has respect for you. He's obviously not. I could tell from his body language. He's not interested in severing his. He likes his relationship with his father. He wants one. So he's not leaving it. I mean, he wants it. And maybe that right there, maybe that boy needs you. If you're busy dealing with somebody else's baggage and trying to overcompensate from your father your father's record in yeah. life or his legacy it just sets up the perfect way to derail you and what if this is about your son in 20 years that you know or 23 years when he turns 40 that you you know you look at him and say holy cow look at what god has done in your life that is awesome but without that you being that guardrail right there undistracted for why well, you never know when you could be that guardrail that he bumps into and never chases that course in his life again and it leads him in a totally different direction anyway that's just that's just a food because we do tend to ask the wrong question we do because of our perception i do it all the time yeah. i have to ask myself continually am i asking the right question because i know i'm that easy to deceive and it only takes just a little bit of gray or fog. And my whole perception has changed. And I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. But this isn't the end of me. It's not the, this is not going to destroy me. And I say that for 
men, and I off, I pretty much asked men, you know, during this interview, have you, the storms in your life killed you? You know, are you dead as a result of the storms in your life? You're not. Your track record for coming through them is 100%. Right. And sitting right here across the table from me, you're still sitting at 100% of making it through the hardest moments of your life. But the moments you endured in your teen years braced you for the ones in your 20s. The ones in your 20s made you probably into the leader that you are. And you have the ability to manage people because you pay attention to people in a different way than you would have had you not endured something. If everything had been handed to you and the skids were greased through, you know, all the way through life, you wouldn't have looked at people with the same value. But you look at people with great value. You see them as having great value, regardless of who they are. Right. So, you know, is it possible that this storm could be bracing you for something or building your strength for something next? And it's not that God brought that storm into your life, but he's going to use it. Because I'm going to put you back on the course I had you on. And I'm going to take what Satan brought and put in front of you and meant to derail you or even destroy you. And I'm going to use that for something good. And now you're stepping back onto the path with even squarer shoulders than you had before. Because you're in this spot where you think you need this girl to have purpose or substance in life. And I will just tell you, that's an absolute deception. Absolute deception. There's no girl that's going to give you purpose or anything. I'm not trying to preach to you. And that's what I'm doing, but that's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> but I think just to guys in general, because I've, if, I mean, I've just listened to this conversation. It's so common among us. And I've sat right at a table and said the exact same things like you say. And it's only now because I have more distance and I'm not... I think just because I think it's just it's because so many men have taught me so many things that that woman is not your purpose. She'll never be your purpose. She can be a complement to that purpose, but your purpose exists. It's mutually exclusive from that. If everybody was vaporized from the planet, God would still have a purpose for your life, whatever that might be. We just get lost in perception. It's, I, I've watched Satan exploit that in men a thousand times. Well, probably far more than that. So anyway, um, let's say that there's a, to some kid or, or man who's sitting and going through a storm, do you have any word of encouragement that you would relay to them now that you've been through some? Or, and you're still in one. Let's say it's, I mean, think of somebody that's the age of your son. You know how heartbroken you can get when you're in your... 18, 19. Yeah. I mean, it, and you know what? Let me grab this example. So if you're sitting there thinking that your purpose is going to be destroyed, your purpose in life is going to be destroyed because the severing of a relationship with a female. So think back to your middle school, junior high years, your high school years. Think, Go back to elementary school. Some girl you had a crush on because she had <laughs> cute hair and she smelled like flowers or she eats mud. Whatever it is that you were, you know, really caught your attention. She throws rocks really well. You know, I mean, like that didn't, you know, in that moment, even as a young person, you were convinced. Now I have no value. I have no purpose in life, which, again, that's that's a false perception. And I would argue it's a deception because God didn't throw that. You know, that's just part of the human experience in this world. But even in high school, you, you know, you had a purpose before you met that girl. 
you break up with that girl, you still got a purpose after it. So the girl wasn't the purpose. Yeah. She could just be a compliment to the purpose. That's it. But you, you know, you proceed onward. Yeah. Anyway, so to somebody, you're in the middle of a storm. You have a 17-year-old son. So, like, how would you encourage somebody that's in their older teens? Somebody like the age of your son. And then somebody that's older, say somebody that's your age, you know, really ancient, like your age. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they're just sitting there thinking, I just, I can't go on. Well, from from my past experience, and I'm learning that today, now, is don't isolate yourself. Reach out to family. Wait, say that one more time. Don't isolate yourself. Because an an interesting thing is, you know, thinking back, no one ever told me that that's what I had to do. That's just something, I guess, instinctively, as a man, that you decide that that's what we have to do. We'll do it, just figure it out ourselves, or... Maybe that was something I picked up from my grandfather as, you know, the unemotional Marine. But, you know, I still love them. Think the world of them. Don't isolate yourself. Talk to people. Get around other people, family members, friends. You know, because I think, you know, when we're talking spirit, you know, spiritually, I think the enemy wants us to be by ourselves. You know, because when you feel all isolated and alone, that's where you stay. And then your mind wanders and you lose hope and you do almost dumb things sometimes and that's something that that I did and like I said you know I'm here 40 something years later and this giant rock spinning in the universe trying to figure that out right now and you know we just met 2 weeks ago and uh you know already it's a positive influence in my life and then uh, you'll come to your senses eventually we went to church and met a couple other people and try to make that circle a little bit bigger I think that's something that I that I would recommend being seventeen or even even forty something. Don't isolate yourself. Storms are going to come and go. This is probably the third or fourth, or I'm sure I'll have many more and I get older. You know, and I am struggling right now with it, and it is tough. You know, I have great moments and I have really low moments throughout the day, and I just coming here and doing this is actually helping me today. Uh, just talking to you, and even though we're doing this podcast, but. Uh, but most men say that when I shut the mic off. Yeah. I mean, it helps me a lot, and it helps them. So, but, uh, yeah, I know for a fact right now how I feel. I'm walking out of this front door here better than I walked in, for sure. So, yeah, don't 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 self-isolate yourself. Don't, don't think you have to do it by yourself. You know, reach out, ask questions, get around other men. That's something I didn't do because we're not alone, right? You are not alone. And, uh, you know, one thing that I, I just want to just uh, really let this resonate. This is something that that I that I'm guilty of is never lose your faith and keep going to church in you know, some kind of church or some kind of church group or uh, and pray. Because I think for somewhere along this 15 something years, I still prayed and all that, but I quit going to church and I quit understanding things because I was trying to do it by myself, you know, and there's that side. It all comes with the isolation package. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and I, I got that. Reminds me of that smelly shark that you talked about <laughs> in the opening. That's a pretty good way yeah. to describe isolation right yeah. there. Well, there you go. That's... You just keep walking toward this rancid smell and you get to this rancid smell and you're like, oh, this is, this is right where I need to be mm-hmm. right next to the rancid smell. Right. 
And that is an illustration of the power of deception and perception is you're standing right next to that. You're in that smelly next to that smelly shark sickle. But you swear that's exactly where you're supposed to be because that is the ideal atmosphere for you to heal in. Yeah. And that's, I mean, right there, that's a perfect illustration of how quickly we're deceived. Anyway, I totally derailed you. Sorry. No, that's all right. But uh, yeah, take away there. Don't 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 self isolate. Don't 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 give up and keep keep the faith. Well, Hollywood, thank you for being on the Men You're Not Alone podcast. I do appreciate it. Thank you. I'm gonna make you listen to this. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> All right. That's why I'm asking you some of the questions I'm asking you. All right. Because I want you to be able to play it back and hear you saying it, not me. That Copy. way you can talk to yourself. Copy that. Uh huh. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a great day, morning, evening, whatever it is where you're at. And I will catch you on the next one.